Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome to episode 12 of this third series of From Page to Practice. Sorry for the delay to this episode, I was holding out for some more contributions but in the end they didn't come so today we're going ahead with a slightly shorter than usual episode. At the end of the episode, I'll be telling you about a new project of mine, which is creating a CPD journal. I'd appreciate your feedback on this, so please do stick around for that at the end. But before that, let's hear from Adele Bates, the author of today's book, Miss I Don't Give a Sh. Just a quick note, you may have noticed that we have chosen to censor part of the title of this book. It's in order to make sure that the podcast is not marked as explicit on any platforms that you may be listening on. Thanks. Hello, I am Adele Bates, Behaviour and Education Specialist, keynote speaker and, importantly for this podcast, author of Miss I Don't Give a Sh, Engaging with Challenging Behaviour in Schools. A few years ago, I was in a staff room. I was working in a special school for pupils with SEMH, social, emotional, mental health issues. And I came across an article in the SEC-ED publication, which stated that at that time, 35 children per day were being excluded in Britain from mainstream school. I now know that the kind of during post-pandemic figures have gone up and it's more like 40 per day. And being an educator who worked both in mainstream and special in pupil referral units, alternative provisions, this statistic really stopped me in my tracks because written down, it's a number and it's a shocking number, but it's a number. But also... I I work with these kids. I work with these teenagers. I work with these excluded children. There's one pupil I've worked with who has been excluded six times from different mainstream schools. And so in that moment, I remember when I saw that statistic in the SECED publication, I just thought, we're getting something wrong. If it's that high uh, a fallout statistic, there is something fundamentally wrong in the way that that our education system has been constructed. These young people, their needs are not being met. Now, I knew this anecdotally from the pupils that I'd worked with and their journeys with education um, alongside some of the most unfortunate, hideous trauma, abuse and neglect And in the midst of it all, I could see that these young people were not getting the same access to education as everyone else. On the other side, I also work in mainstream schools and I know that nearly all the teaching staff I work with want to support more. 
they care about our young people. And of course we do. That's why we're in the profession. (laughs) And there are so many teaching staff that I work with who really want to do well by Mo, who is setting his blazer alight, but they don't know how to. Because when it comes to it, I've discovered that most teachers have received half a day's training around behaviour during their initial teacher training. And of course, for some teachers, that could have been 5, 10, 20 years ago. And when it comes to teaching assistants and support staff, most of them have received zero training around supporting behaviour needs. And yet it is the teaching assistants who often end up with some of the most challenging um, situations and distressing behaviour daily in their role. So this is the bridge that I straddle in all of my work. And when I sat there and saw that stat, I thought, okay, I know that I'm doing this in my day-to-day work. I'm in mainstreams. I'm supporting staff and school leaders. I'm supporting local authorities on approaches that enable us to sustainably for our staff who are already on their knees, but in a way that is sustainable for them to be able to properly support the behaviour needs of these young people. And so this is the kind of work that I'm doing already. And I felt like I wanted to offer something to our community that um, was pickupable and and usable uh, without having to wait for your school to um, hire me <laughs> to, to come to come and do that. So that's really where the book came from. It was from that statistic and sitting there and just thinking, you know, 35 to 40 kids a day being excluded. There is something wrong here. And so this book really straddles, um, you could be a member of teaching staff working in a mainstream who is facing um, increasingly uh, challenging behaviour that's challenging you within your classroom and you don't know what to do about it. And what I see as I support staff up and down the country is that as teachers, (laughs) because we are a lovely bunch in general, when things aren't going well in our classroom, we tend to blame ourselves. And we tend to think I've got something wrong, or I just need to be more disciplined, or I just need to be more like Mr. Singh down the corridor who's dealing really well with 9F2, whereas with 9F2 with me, uh, it's just constant chit-chat. And this is the kind of situation I see so many teaching staff get themselves into. And it breaks my heart because I know there are strategies, approaches, um, top tips, and there are and there's fundamental theory behind all of that that can really, really help these staff support these young people with these particular needs. So Miss I Don't Give a Sh is a how-to on how to do this. So every single uh, chapter uh, will introduce an idea um, an area. So we've got things like, oh, and each chapter also goes with my uh, my theme of titles. So the first chapter is Miss, you look sh- boundaries, negotiations and care for you. And that's kind of um, touching on what I came to at first, which was um, actually, if we're going to be supporting young people who have very distressing behaviour, we cannot do that unless we know how to hold our own boundaries as practitioners. And that chapter really looks into that. We've then got chapters around um, what is it like for our pupils who've gone through trauma? Um, how do you build relationships with young people who really don't want to build relationships with you? What's going on behind that behaviour? Um, 
ideas around explicitly teaching behavior and self-regulation, uh, how to not take it personally. This is something that comes up a lot when <laughs> I work with staff. They've told you to F off seven times before the register. Is it you? <laughs> and in that chapter, I look particularly around the uh, brain development and what's going on for young people, especially around the teen years. Uh, I also look around inclusivity, belonging and bias and how all of that affects our behaviour as humans and therefore our pupils too. Uh, and then the the chapters at the end, towards the end of the book, look at the more school-wide approaches for leadership and building teams. Then the final chapter uh, is one of my favourites, one of my favourite to write. It's called, Miss, Do You Actually Know What You're Doing? And it's the troubleshooting chapter. So with the busy teacher in mind, it is that moment where you go to, you manage to get to the staff room, maybe you needed a knife for a step, for a science experiment, and you pick up the book, you've got two point no seconds and you can go to this troubleshooting chapter and look up things like, ah, they won't stay silent. What do I do? Ah, I keep getting in arguments with my pupils. What do I do? And there's a kind of quick fire round of suggestions in there that link you back to the other chapters if you want to do further reading. So each of the chapters has introduces a specific topic and area. It refers to different theory that you can go and look at if if you want more in-depth knowledge around that. And importantly, that then translates directly into strategies around the classroom with what you can do. At the end of each chapter, there is an action box. And in that, I look at next lesson, next week, long term. So what can you practically do around this topic in those three approaches? We also have an expert interview at the end of each chapter with somebody who is specifically working or has lived experience of the area of the topic of the chapter. Then, just to finish off, my two favourite bits uh, in the book uh, are the bits where the student voice comes in because they are the ones we're talking about after all. At the start of each chapter, there um, is what I call a hashtag insult of the week. If you follow me on Twitter, then you'll know this. And I'm going to give you an example here from chapter five. The insult of the week. Me. Please put your rubbish in the bag. Pupil. You need a much bigger bag. Me. Why? Pupil. You won't fit in that one. <laughs> So these are just beautiful little things that children have said to me over the years uh, that keep us going. So do share those as well with me on Twitter. And the forward of this book is also written by young people who have not fitted into the usual mainstream education system. The book is absolutely full of stories, anecdotes, strategies and approaches and support for you so that you know how to deal with a young person who tells you they don't give a sh. I would love to hear how you get on with the book. You can find me at my website, adelbateseducation.co.uk. And over there, I can also introduce you to the accompanying piece to this book, which is a behaviour membership. It's called the We Give a Sh 12-month behaviour membership. It's an online ongoing space for you to get additional support around behaviour to bring your personal questions and worries and stresses that you're going through in your classroom too. So if you want to come and join us in there, you can find it on my website, adelbateseducation.co.uk and that's on the tag behaviour membership. Also come and find me on Twitter at Adele Bates 
Z, that's Adele Bates Z, and I'm over on LinkedIn with my with my name, Adele Bates. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving a sh. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Adele. I really appreciate you giving up your time to record for the podcast. Now we're going to have our reader reflections, and first up is Zoe. Hello, my name is Zoe Howarth, tweeting at underscore drama Zoe, current trainee teacher in secondary drama, and in a previous life working for 16 years in the world of educational theatre. So, what brought me to the incredibly funny, honest and insightful Miss I Don't Give a Sh by the wonderful Adele Bates? I mean, first of all, who couldn't be drawn into an educational read with sh in the title? But in honesty, I came across it by accident, as with most good things, drowning in an assignment. Bit dramatic, I know, but I should warn you now, it comes with the territory an assignment on challenging behaviour and motivation and really wanting to link my learning specifically to my second placement school, a school with extremely high deprivation and where really challenging behaviour was being displayed. And I was guided to this book by a really good friend of mine, not a teacher, um, but hailing from Adele's native Burton-upon-Trent, who said, I've heard about this great book, you need to give it a read. Uh, Now, quite frankly, at the time, I thought, have I really got time to read another book? But I must say, I'm really glad I did. Less than 24 hours later, thanks to a very well-known online store, the book was in my hand and there it stayed for quite a few days. I read the book from cover to cover, pencil in hand. But like Adele says, her book can be approached in many a different way, um, And I know for sure, now that my dreaded assignment is over, hurrah, and floating around Turnitin, awaiting its inevitable mark, that I will most definitely be dipping in and out of this book for years to come. So thank you, Adele. Now, a bit more uh, about this book and why I think it's an absolute cracking read and a fantastic resource for my uh, developing practice and for others' practices, I'm sure. And to do this... I look for guidance from the incredible Mary Myatt, who states that she likes us to go deep and slow to learn better. So I promise I will do my utmost here, but I do endeavour, listeners, not to go at a snail's pace. So here goes. What do I love uh, and what do I think will continue to guide my practice? First of all, I'm going to begin with the hilarious student insult quotes that thread throughout the whole of this book. Not only are they laugh-out-loud moments, but they make us, the reader, realise that whatever challenging behaviour we have experienced, we're not alone. Adele has been there, she's done it, and she has more than likely got a wardrobe full of T-shirts to prove it. And because these quotes and in fact the whole book, are so personal, we know for sure that we're in safe hands and we're being guided and supported should we ever be attacked, say, by a flying skateboard or the like. And now please read the book to discover more on said skateboard. Um, All the insult quotes are absolute corkers. Um, Some of my favourites include, 
<clears throat> Whilst collecting a student from their taxi. Student. Miss, why are you collecting us today? Teacher. Because it's my turn. Anything wrong with that? Student. Your face. And, student. Miss, can you please stop breathing? It's putting me off my work. Yes, hilarious. Uh, and as a result of these, I will most certainly be writing down all the ones that I face as I continue my teaching journey. Now, as a drama teacher, these insults instantly make me think, wow, what an incredible piece of verbatim theatre we could create here. Great cross-curricular learning opportunity for students and educational professionals. But in thinking further, and thinking being that key word, and as witty as they are, what they are, what they're there for, surely, is for us, the teacher, to consider, you know, when we are insulted, what are the students' words communicating to us? And they really encourage us to consider the absolute value of all of our students' voices. As a teacher, trainee teacher, or literally for anyone working with young people, we are, after all, in that real privileged position to make change, to positively influence. And, you know, let's start by valuing the voices of our students. And as Adele says, our students are the experts after all. And thanks, Adele, for that quote used within my killer assignment. Now, Adele's drive for all students to be part of social change is certainly poignant within her book, and it highlights her clear passion for what she does, and it definitely encourages that inclusive education for all. And I must say, for all those teacher trainers out there, links beautifully to Core Content Framework 5 and Adaptive Teaching. So now I turn to the structure of the book, which is scaffolded really nicely for us. It's got 10 really solid chapters, all beginning with the clear aims, followed by an introduction to the chapter, thorough exploration of each topic, followed by scenarios to consider in our own setting, and then real-life interviews with professionals who've quite clearly got extensive experience and knowledge within the field, and then concluding with some really useful action boxes. So what we can do within our practice and how we can act on our reading and our research and gain knowledge from the book. Um, and this includes thinking about what we can do next lesson, what we could do next week um, and what we can then do in the long term. And this whole scaffolded framework of all the chapters has this real I do, we do, you do feel to it, which I personally use within my own practice. Um, and it highlights how valuable it is for our own learning. And, you, and I will be certainly taking all of those action boxes back into my first placement school next week. Um, and what I take from Adele's words is, if at first something doesn't work, try it again and again and try it with a different group or another group and adapt it and explore it, embed it. So now for the chapters. Chapter one starts us with us, caring for us, the teacher and our well-being. After all, our students surely deserve the best. Then we move into chapter two and the importance of safety 
and creating that safe space, which is particularly valuable in a drama classroom where we move away from that traditional classroom setup with students and teachers sitting in a circle, perhaps, or working within small groups. And that traditional teacher student roles um, are suspended and relationships as a result are developed, which aligns really nicely with Vygotsky's social constructivism theory. Three, our third chapter, we go on to building those relationships. Four, seeing the child, not the behaviour. We move into chapter five and ensuring that our teaching is explicit. And it's got a really fab section on developing this and an idea that I successfully embedded within my second placement, which is the postcard home. And it's taken from an idea by Paul Dix, where the postcard is torn up or in my case, cut into jigsaw pieces, um, which had to be earned by the students. Complete the jigsaw, receive a postcard home, um, and then work towards a further jigsaw for a phone call home. Uh, And always ensuring that the activity is achievable, but challenging. And you know what? Students absolutely loved it, and I would highly recommend this activity. We move into six whereby we're encouraged not to take the insult personally. And as Adele says, yes, this is easier said than done, but remember, what is this behaviour communicating? Seven, inclusivity. Eight, don't forget the team that you belong to. The team will give you support. Chapter nine, the whole school approach, not just within the confines of our classroom. Chapter 10, and perhaps my favourite chapter, it's troubleshooting. You can turn to this chapter really quickly for instant advice, signposting on behavioural issues um, and also what chapter we need to refer back to. Perfect. So to conclude, as a trainee teacher, this book has given me a definite framework, a structure to hang off all my new knowledge, developing sticky knowledge. That's what we're told in training. Um, And for that, I'm really grateful for me it's really solidified the real need to create those positive relationships within a safe space and to seriously value the important role of the student voice, which for me, it's really at the heart of my practice. And as Adele states, unless we feel safe and included, we cannot learn, which links really nicely to um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and to all of those uh, teacher standards. So... Thanks for listening, listeners, Um, and most definitely thanks to Adele for your amazing assignment assignment help and your guidance, but also now for supporting my continuing developing practice. I know your book will will continue to be a firm favourite on my bookshelf, and um, I wait in anticipation for book two, and I certainly encourage those who are considering reading to do so not only for its great title um, and its amazing inviting cover, but the content is bloody marvellous too. I encourage all of you to give Miss I Don't Give a Sh a read. You'll love it. Now that's me signing off. Bye. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thank you, Zoe. And today's other reader contribution comes from Simon. Hi there, Simon Corrigan here from 
School Behaviour Secrets podcast and the SEMH website, beaconschoolsupport.co.uk. And the chapter that I want to focus on in Adele's book is the one on building relationships and its importance for helping children get over you know, their difficulties with social, emotional and mental health needs. And there's a quote in there where she talks about there is no research to show that it will really benefit a child to be locked in a room on their own. There is no research that will show you that if I can't self-regulate and then you punish me for not being able to self-regulate, that I'm then going to learn how to self-regulate. There's no research showing that. And I think that's a really interesting quote that affects the way that we work with schools. Because if a child goes into isolation or has a detention, what is happening that is different? What is going to change the child's behaviour or the way they view the world or the way they form relationships with adults or other peers that they couldn't do before? What is isolation teaching them? What are we doing in that time to overcome a skills gap? Because if a child's having difficulty in school or with their relationships with their peers, there's an underlying skill that's missing. How are we actively teaching the pupil to regulate their emotions? How are we actively teaching them to improve their social skills or improve their coping skills for when times get tough and they're having difficulty with their work? What are we doing to actively identify which skills are missing and then actively teaching those skills to the child so they're more able to cope in the classroom in the future? And for me, when you think about it, this highlights that you know, using consequences like detentions and isolation and missed playtimes, they're a wasted opportunity. They're a wasted chance to teach the child the skills gap that they're missing to access the curriculum, meet their potential. And what many of the children who end up in these kind of consequences over and over need is they need a relationship with an adult. They need a positive relationship with an adult because at home, um, many of those children may have negative relationships with their adults. They may view adults as someone to be feared or not trusted. And when we when we place these kind of kids in isolation and detention, what we're doing is we're not building that relationship that will actually help them integrate more successfully into school. We're doing the exact opposite. We're pushing them away. We're, we're making our relationship more strained with them. And what I like about Adele's chapter is we're looking for ways of identifying, okay, what went wrong here? What's the underlying cause? What does the pupil need to do that they couldn't do before? And what do we need to do as adults to teach them those skills? And I like the way Adele also talks about connection before correction, because when we take this approach of investing in children and working with them to help them develop these skills, what we're doing is, A, we're showing that we are interested in having a relationship with them. And B, by investing our time in the child, we're showing commitment. We're showing the child that we haven't given up on them, we can see the best in them, and we want them to be the best they can be. And Adele's book has got some excellent suggestions on there about how to explicitly recognise positive behaviour in children, how to build relationships, how to actively teach self-regulation, which I feel is crucial to helping kids with high levels of SEMH needs make progress in school. Because after all, if something like uh, being kept in at playtime or being sent to isolation or having to have a detention or, or any other form of consequence, if that was going to work, it would work very, very quickly. And we wouldn't have sort of the, the problems we're seeing in the classroom. 
So what I've taken away from Adele's book is the importance of relationships, of actively teaching the skills that the students are missing or have underdeveloped skills in terms of their social, emotional, and mental health needs, and then how do we connect with them so they see that we're investing in them and they have a positive relationship with us. Do that, and then you'll see the returns in terms of their behavior and progress in the classroom. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Simon. That's all on today's book. And the next book will be Culture Rules by Joe Facer. And that will come in two weeks' time. As per usual, your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to your podcasts are appreciated, as are contributions to my book fund via buymeacoffee.com forward slash fptppod. Now, to talk about the CPD journal, I've created the first draft of the journal that I plan to have printed for myself, but also offer for sale. To make sure I get this right, I'm asking for responses to a quick market research survey. Anyone who responds has the chance to enter a draw for a personalised tote bag, tumbler or other item from my Learning Linguish Crafts range. I'll link the survey when I post the episode, but the easiest way to find it is by visiting learninglinguist.co.uk and looking at the most recent blog post. Whilst you're there, you can also view my craft page, the new MFL CPD library and information about how to contribute to From Page to Practice. So if you're still here, thanks for listening and see you again in two weeks' time. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons. <laughs>